Good morning, everybody. How are you this morning? You know, I, want, I, I really want to preach the pain off the walls this morning, but my voice is a little bit weak. So we're just going to pray that the, that the Lord helps me get this out this morning. Amen. You guys pray for me this morning. All right, well, look at your neighbor this, quick, this morning real quick and just greet them, say good morning to you, and then tell them the blood speaks, if you would. Get strange this morning. Yeah, be, be open and vocal. Maybe if I'm a little bit quieter this morning, but you guys are louder, this thing will work out. You know what I'm saying? Amen. So I want to preach this morning about uh, the blood speaks. And uh, before we get into this, let's just, let's just pray together and ask the Lord to bless his word this morning. So Father, we thank you so much for your presence. God, I thank you for each person that's here this morning. And Holy Spirit, we believe that every time we meet and your word goes forth, God, that it comes to accomplish something. And so, Jesus, I pray that by your Spirit, you would bring life to your Word, and God, you'd give us ears to hear and a heart to receive, and that God, one way or another, we would be transformed by it, that people would be set free, uh, Lord, from bondage that they're experiencing, God, from the power of sin in different areas of their life that they're experiencing, and Lord Jesus, we would truly come to know the power of your blood that was shed for us on the cross when you gave your life for us. Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to I preach a message about the blood speaks, and really I kind of had like a prerequisite sermon uh, last Wednesday. We preached uh, a message called the Power of Proclamation. So if you want to do some, uh, some homework, you know, you can go back and listen to that on the podcast if you'd like to kind of get a better understanding of what I'm speaking about in particular. Because I was speaking about the power of proclamation, and I was kind of unpacking uh, different ways that I pray and why I think certain types of prayer are important. I, I, I tell people all the time, I pray a lot of different ways. Prayer is, is, is relationship with God. Prayer, I can, I can get before God and pour my heart out. Sometimes I complain to God. Sometimes I feel like I'm gossiping to God. Sometimes my prayer isn't very uh, powerful. Sometimes I feel like my prayer is a bunch of whining. Anybody amen me this morning? But, uh, but, but, but I've come to understand that the most powerful prayer is when I repeat God's word and God's desire and God's heart back to him. When I come into agreement with what God is saying and I speak his word back to him, that is the most formative prayer and that is the most powerful prayer. Now in the New Testament, uh, there, there's a couple of different words that essentially have, have a very similar meaning. One word is, is to literally proclaim and we actually believe that when we proclaim something happens in the unseen world and this is why we believe that the gospel must be preached it must be proclaimed and we believe that just a person preaching the gospel proclaiming it out of their mouth does something in the unseen realm spiritually that actually actually brings about faith in a person's heart so that they can believe and be saved and confess out of their mouth and when they confess out of their mouth something supernatural happens in their life that's what we we believe, don't we? we? So we believe in the power of proclamation. The word proclamation comes from a Latin word that means to shout forth. Amen. Some of y'all, you don't necessarily like to shout forth. I understand. Most of you are pretty reserved and, and quiet folks. But there's something about shouting forth what God's Word says. And when we sing being vocal and when we have God's Word being vocal with it, it's not enough to just sit still and listen all the time. God calls us into a participation in order for His power to be released in certain areas of our life. So another word in the New Testament that goes along with proclamation is the word confession. In the Greek language, the word confession is two, two words together. Homo, which means the same. Logeo, which means word. So literally, to confess means to say the same word as... 
To confess in the New Testament means that I say the same thing out of my mouth that God's Word says in Scripture. And I come into agreement with that. And that is very important, more important than you would imagine it is important. Most Christians believe that it's cool if they just listen and hear and never actually activate their body, activate their senses, or speak anything out of their mouth. But here's what Hebrews 3 verse 1 says. It says, Holy brethren, that's you, believe it or not, partakers of the heavenly calling, that's you. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. What is Jesus the high priest of? He's the high priest of our confession. Now understand this. This means that Christ has defeated death, hell, the grave, and Satan. He's defeated the power of sin and all the powers of darkness and made a public spectacle of them openly on the cross. He beat death, was raised up on the third day, and he ascended and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And all authority in heaven and on earth have now been given to him. And he stands at the right hand of God the Father as the high priest of your confession. That means that's why he tells us to pray, God, your will be done where on earth as it is in heaven so when we say the same thing as what God's word says he stands as our high priest in heaven over our confession to say they have confessed my truth they have confessed my word and therefore I will release that authority on earth as it is in heaven in their life now amen Y'all understand that? So that's important because God, Jesus, is at the right hand of the Father waiting for our words to be spoken, waiting for us to come into agreement and alignment with God's word specifically. So proclamation, in a sense, is spiritual warfare. On Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago, and I, I said this, you remember we talked about how Moses, when he went into Egypt, he took his rod of authority, it was, represented authority, and do you remember he cast it on the ground? And we talked about how that, that authority represents God's word. And when he cast it on the ground, it became a serpent. And then he would take it back up again. But in one particular instance, he cast it on the ground. And guess what? The Egyptians brought out some magicians. And they said, well, Moses, we can do that too. And they cast their rod out on the ground. And they became serpents as well. Now, I need you to understand this, that every human being on the planet is casting their rod down on the ground for good or for bad, for, for evil or, or for blessing, for, for, for curse or for blessing, all of these things. So when you, everything you listen to in one way or another, a person is casting their word down on the ground when you watch Fox News when you listen to the media when you go to work and your co-workers are gossiping like crazy about somebody they are casting their rods of authority down on the ground and one of the problems that we have in our generation is our young people are being filled with lies of the serpent over and over again because all of these people are speaking curses and speaking things that are contrary to God's word and guess what the reason they're overcome by it is because nobody is taking the rod of the authority of God's word and casting a superior rod on the ground to speak the truth in those situations amen so it's so important that we understand that God's authority is a superior reality to every lie that we're hearing every day and some of us must step up and speak the truth of God's word in love not only to the people around us but also over our own lives just like Jeremy said this morning, how many of you, you can really get into a dark and negative place in your life and somehow even though you're depressed and beat down, somehow or another you're like, I, I, you know, I, I. for example, somebody comes to you, tries to be positive, I ain't trying to hear all that. Anybody amen me? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You start to get so negative that even if somebody speaks truth into your life and speaks the word of God over you, it just aggravates you. 
Because you've married yourself to the negativity. You have married yourself to the lie. You have come into agreement with the demonic so much that you have no hope, you have no faith, and you've just decided to live in defeat. Somebody amen me this morning. This is better, y'all. I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting. And this is important because everybody's casting something down on the ground through their beliefs and through their words. And here's the thing. It's not about how you feel today. It's about what are you going to believe today. It ain't about how you feel today. It's about what are you going to believe today and what are you going to speak today. What's it? Because every day, let me tell you something, there's a demon out there trying to get you to come into agreement with it, to speak evil over your life, to speak curses over your life, to speak curses over your children. Well, they always do this. Well, the world's going to, you know, all of these different things that you speak out of your mouth, you don't even realize that you're speaking curses. You're not speaking God's word over those situations. So one guy, Francis Frangipan, he said this, every area of your life that does not glisten with hope is under the influence of a lie. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope, that means that every area of your life, your relationships, your family, your marriage, whatever it may be, if, if, it does, if, it's not, if you don't have a joyful expectation of God doing something amazing in that area of your life in the future, no matter how bad it currently looks, it is, it is currently under the influence of a lie. I know a God who has good plans for you as people. I know a God who's able to bring deliverance. I know a God who's able to bring salvation. I know a God who's able to forgive restore reconcile heal deliver set free and so he's telling us the way that we come into agreement with that to see those things happen in our life is through the words we speak and what we ultimately believe what do you believe this morning what rod are you casting down what are you speaking out of your mouth to come to pass in your own life and you know I felt like at the beginning of this year I remember it because sometimes my wife says I can be grumpy can any husbands amen me this this morning any of y'all's wives, you're like, yeah, she tells me I'm grumpy sometimes. Dude's default usually is just grumpy, ain't it? Is that right? That's right. That's good preaching. I thought, that's not biblical. But it is, uh, we're called to be joyful. And God gave me this verse in Scripture. It says about Jesus in Hebrews that he was, I, it says, God, God says about Jesus, I have anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. It means that Jesus Christ was the most glad and joyful human being that has ever existed on the face of the planet. I know some pretty joyful and glad people. They're not more glad and joyful than Jesus. And if we live in a state of that, that, that God calls us into this place, and I started to talk to the Lord about that. I said, Lord, how come I don't walk in the kind of gladness and joy that you've called me to? How come in the words of my wife, I'm a grumpy bumpy, and, 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 I, and I need gladness and joy to be anointed? Like, what's going on? And he said, Clay, a lot of it has to do, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, a lot of it has to do with not only the words you speak, but what you believe in your heart. Certain areas of your life, you don't actually believe me to do good in it. Certain areas of your life, you've already spoken curses over certain areas of your life because it's almost like I don't want to have hope in that area because what if it doesn't happen? Well, God says, what if it does? I'm trying to move in your life. I'm trying to do something, but I can only do what you will partner with me and believe. There are not heroes of facts in, in, in Hebrews 11. There are heroes of faith. Amen. Faith looks into the unseen realm. It doesn't look at the current circumstances. It doesn't look at what's on paper. It looks into God's word and God's reality in the unseen heavenly realm and says God's reality is more superior to what I'm experiencing even though right now it looks bad. That's what faith says. Faith goes beyond. Faith says, you know what, even when I'm grumpy, I'm a person of great joy. 
Amen. Amen. And I can have an attitude that actually alters situations. I can have a faith that alters situations. And so you have to, be, you have to get to a place where you will surrender your beliefs. And, and I believe the Lord asked me this question. Can you surrender your belief about yourself that somehow you're inadequate? Can you, some of you, can you surrender your belief that you're just too old now? Can you surrender your belief that things work out for other people, but they just don't work out for me? Can you surrender your belief that I, I just don't speak well in front of people? Can you surrender your, your belief that, well, that stuff there, that's for clay and preachers and ministers, but that stuff isn't for me? Can you surrender those beliefs? Because here's the thing, though that's not actually who you are, it's just who you've come to be because it's who you believe you are. Amen. But your feelings, here's the issue, feelings don't validate the truth. They just validate what you feel like is the truth. What you think is the truth. It's not the truth about who you are. So we have to come into agreement with God's word and tear down strongholds. And you know the Bible says that they're strongholds. You know why? Because they got a stronghold on you. Somebody amen me. Right? You got these mindsets that have such a strong hold that oftentimes when I talk to myself even or talk to other people, you can counsel people and they just don't care how positive you want to be. They have married that mindset. They married it. They decide this is how I'm living. I ain't going to believe nothing good. I ain't going to hope nothing good. I'm going to look at the world through dark colored lenses and just continue to curse everything around me and speak evil over my life. Amen. I'm preaching good this morning, but y'all get it here in a minute. Alan Bray shared this definition of stronghold last week, and I really liked it, so I wanted to share it again. But it's a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable situations that we know are contrary to the will and truth of God. Impregnated with hopelessness. How many of you, when you look at certain areas in your life and you think about certain areas of your life, you just have no expectation of good in that area? You are defeated and hopeless because of a particular mindset. God is saying you have got to renew your mind. You've got to get a hold of my word and you've got to let me speak new life over these situations in your life. This is why in Romans 15, 13 it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may, be, may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you all see in that verse what actually allows God to fill you with joy and peace? It comes what? in believing what are you currently believing what are you currently believing about God what he's able to do in your life who he has said you are who what what he has said he has purchased for you on the cross what are you currently believing the reason many of us are not experiencing hope and joy and peace is because we are believing all the wrong things and we have believed a lie and Jesus is saying, if you will get a hold of my word and take hold of it and adopt it and let it get planted and rooted in your heart, I will change circumstances and there'll be a channel opened in your heart that I'm going to allow joy and hope to flood in until you start to abound with hope. And when you see situations that look dark and desperate, everybody else is saying, man, this looks terrible. And you're going to say, no, 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 I see God at work in this situation. He's about to bless somebody. Things are about to change. Why? Because you are filled with hope. You're a believer. He calls us believers. He calls us to believe and trust in His Word. And we have to renounce the curses that we have spoken and even the things that we have believed about ourselves because our identity is not based on our experiences. You're not what happened to you 15 years ago. You're not what happened to you one year ago. 
It's not who you think your identity is, not who you think you are, or who the world tells you you are. Your identity is not even grounded in what your daddy said about you when you was a little, little boy or a little girl. That's not who you are. My identity is given to me by the Word of God because of what the blood of Jesus has done for me. Amen. And so I go to God's Word to get my identity. I go to God to find out who He says that I am. Now, I want you to understand this because we're going to move into how to speak what the blood says about us in our lives. In Revelation 12, verse 10, it says, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven. Notice there's voices throughout the book of Revelation, but this one's a loud voice. It's a little bit louder than the devil's voice. Because sometimes you need a voice that's a little bit louder than the devil's. Amen? Every now and then when I get down, you know what? I try to wake up before the devil gets up. If I get real down, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get up before you get up, son. And I'm going to speak a better word before you start saying your trash all over my life as soon as I wake up out of the bed. But it says, he heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And notice this, very popular verse. They overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. You know what that they did not love their lives to the death means? It means that doing the will of God was more important than staying alive. Now, for us American Christians, we don't have much to worry about. We ain't persecuted. Worst we get is somebody say something negative about us on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we deal with very little. But there's a point coming, and maybe even in our generation, that we, we're going to have to, as the old timers say, the King James, we're going to have to gird up our loins. You know what I'm talking about? Because I believe we're entering into a season where this could possibly increase. And in my generation, in my lifetime, we may see persecution. There may come a point where just like many countries around the world, we may have to be willing to lay down our life for such a thing. But let me tell you the thing that Satan fears the most is a committed Christian who says I'll rather do the will of God than stay alive amen. amen and this is the kind of heart that he wants us to have regardless of what we're currently facing that that that, that frightened Satan there was a guy uh, back in the day he's passed away now but here's what he would say he, he said about this verse he was a, a Greek scholar he said I overcome Satan when I testify personally to what the Word of God says the blood of Jesus does for me now this is important because Scripture says that Satan, his name is literally, it's not, a na it's not a name, it's a title, the accuser of the brethren. That's what Satan means, he's the accuser. So he comes to you, and he's always trying to tune you into his channel. You know what I'm talking about? Like he, He's trying to tune you into the channel of, you'll never measure up, you're not good enough, you've sinned too much, God has abandoned you, God's not going to heal you. Well, why would God help you? Well, you're just, you're just not like everybody else. You're different. You're less than. You don't have it like other people do. He tries to tune you into that. And I'm telling you, what we have to do is tune him out and tune into God's word and what God is speaking over our lives, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that rises up against me in judgment we do condemn because this is the inheritance of the saints of the Lord and our righteousness is of the Lord. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. We could go all day on what the word of God says about my life and I've got to tune in that I am not weak and I'm not broken and I'm not frail I'm powerful in Christ who gives me strength right and I'm a mighty man of valor praise God and you have to tune in to what God is saying over your life 
And, 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 and you have to begin to agree and confess the same thing as what God is saying over our life. Now, here's the thing. We overcome Satan when we testify to what the Word of God says the blood of Jesus does for me. Now, a lot of people will say, well, Clay, I don't have a testimony like you. And oftentimes we think about testimony being what has happened to us personally. And it is. I have a very personal testimony, what God brought me out of. And I could, you know, everybody likes it whenever you, you, you come out of drug addiction and all this stuff. And you know what? The Lord brought me out of drug addiction. He brought me out of, of certain bondage. Not everybody has that same testimony. But can I tell you this? Everybody in Christ does have the same testimony. And I'm about to walk you through what the blood of Jesus does for you because everybody in Christ, whether you got redeemed from drugs and alcohol or whether you just got redeemed from thinking bad thoughts but you were a pretty good person, you have still been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and cleansed from your sin. And the blood of Jesus says the same thing about every single child of God. No matter the level of darkness, you've got a testimony. And it's not necessarily about we overcome Satan when we testify about what God personally brought us out of. But when we testify personally to what the Word of God says, the blood of Jesus has done for us. So everybody can go to the Word of God and say, well, maybe I didn't come out of something crazy like Clay did, but here's what the Word of God says the blood of Jesus has done for my life. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. So in Exodus 12, verse 21 through 24, it says, Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and... Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. Now you think about that. When they applied the blood of the lamb to their doorposts, they took hyssop, dipped it in a basin of a lamb that was without spot and without blemish, and applied it to their doorposts. And here's what Paul said about that in the book of 1 Corinthians 5-7. He said that Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. What he's saying is, is that really what they were doing in Exodus was a type of the greater Passover that would happen for us. And so what the fathers had to do, and this is interesting because the entire destiny of all of Israel was dependent upon whether or not the fathers would be obedient to the word of God. Amen. Amen. So the fathers, it was upon them, it was their responsibility to slaughter a lamb that was without spot and without blemish, put the blood in a basin, take hyssop, which was just a normal weed that you could pick out anywhere, and dip it in the basin and apply it to their homes so that the destroyer would pass over. In the same way, Jesus Christ has become our Passover sacrifice. And when the blood of the lamb has been applied to our life, that destroyer, the powers of darkness, sin and death, cannot touch us. It must pass over when it sees the blood applied to our life but I want to say this because I think it's very important that though the lamb was slain and the blood was in the basin it was the means of protection but in the basin it did not protect a single person amen now I think sometimes in Christianity and in church the way that we do church what we do, I told this the other, the other day on Wednesday, we don't like to really participate. We like to listen to sermons, but we don't necessarily like to apply them. We find them entertaining, but we don't find them good food to exercise in our life. Amen. Yeah. 
We come to church and we like to listen to good worship singers, but we ourselves don't necessarily like to always get involved. Amen. We don't necessarily like to... And what I think is that sometimes when it comes to the blood of Jesus, we leave the blood in the basin. We never dip the hyssop and apply it ourselves because one of the most powerful things you can do in your life and in your prayer life is to begin to speak the word of God over your situation. To begin to apply the blood of Jesus to your situation. He is the high priest of our confession. In 1 Peter 1, 1 through 2, Peter says that you are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit. What's he say? For obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. What comes before the sprinkling of the blood? It's obedience. I have to act on what God has called me to do. Even when it comes to salvation itself, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But what happens? The, the Bible teaches that when we believe in our heart that Christ has been raised from the dead after dying for us on the cross, what do we do? We confess with our mouth. And so we shall be saved. He's looking for the reciprocal confession of saying the same thing as what the Word of God says over our lives. And whether you believe it or not, or whether you think it's weird or not, somehow or another, the unseen realm responds to our spiritual confession of what the Word of God says. Now, if that is a reality, and I believe that it is a reality then we have to understand that the hyssop is our testimony. We use the words that we speak to apply the blood of Jesus to our lives, and we bring our confession to the Lord. Now, Jesus is the high priest of our confession. And if you remember in the Old Covenant, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies one day a year on the Day of Atonement. And he would come in with, the, with the, 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 the altar of incense. The incense would burn. The veil would open. And he would take the blood of a lamb. And he would apply it a sevenfold sprinkling. Now we know in the New Testament that there are seven different places where Jesus shed his blood. His beard was plucked. He was, he was beat with, beat, hit, with, hit in the face. Different things were going on. And then finally the seventh time his, his side was pierced and he, and he shed his blood seven times before finally saying it is finished because he became our high priest. In the same way there is a sevenfold application of the blood of Jesus in the New Testament. And I'm going to go through these and you're going to participate with me and we're going to say what the blood of Jesus does for us. Amen. Y'all ready? Jeremy's excited. Amen. Somebody said, ah, we got to get out of here. (laughs) Getting weird. What are they doing with chalices up front? This is getting strange. Number one, number one is redemption, which means being bought back. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Redemption means that you and I, we came into agreement with the demonic. We, we, we sinned against God. We rebelled against God. All of us like sheep have gone astray. And because of that, we became enslaved to the powers of the demonic. And we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, who is Satan. And we fulfilled the desires of our flesh and of our mind. And we're living as children of wrath, the Bible says. But Jesus loved us so much that he came. And on the cross, he took our place. It was a sinless exchange where we deserve that punishment, but he took it upon himself and he bought us back out of the hand of the devil. Because Satan poured his wrath out, so to speak, on Jesus on the cross, he no longer had a right to those who would receive Jesus because of what he did to Jesus on the cross. He redeemed us and bought us back out of the hand of the enemy and has given us authority over the enemy. First Peter says it like this. He says, you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. God didn't buy you with silver or gold. Your daddy didn't pay your way out into heaven. Amen. 
Nobody can buy your way in from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you were bought with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Notice he uses the language lamb once again. He's referring back to the Old Testament back to the Passover because Jesus was the Lamb of God that was without spot and without blemish. Jesus, Every single one of us, guess what? We've sinned against God. Every single one of us deserved death. But Jesus was sinless, perfect, flawless, and did not deserve death. But yet He took our place and reversed everything when He tasted death on our behalf. Amen. Amen. And so this is why Psalm 107 too says, Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Satan is the enemy, but here's what he says. If you have been redeemed from the hand of the enemy, you know what you need to do? You need to have a testimony. You need to say so about what this is. And I'm telling you, on a practical level, I've learned to pray over the years, but when I start to sense certain things, if I feel defilement, if I feel like I've sinned against God and I'm, and I, and I'm condemned and I don't feel worthy or I'm just struggling mentally, if I feel like I'm being attacked or, or depression is creeping in, I will go out and take me a walk and I will declare openly out of my mouth boldly to let every demon that's listening and trying to hang out with me know what the blood of Jesus does for my life because I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony when I speak out of my mouth what God's word says the blood of Jesus does for me. Y'all ain't feeling it like I'm feeling it. So here's what I want you to do. You all ready? You're going to say this with me, okay? They're going to put it up and we're going to try to start together. Go ahead and put that first one up. Ready? One, two, three. The blood of Jesus says I am redeemed from all the power of the devil and I am being restored according to God's design for my life. Amen. Amen. You feel better already? Praise God. Number two, cleansing. I got seven to go through, y'all. Clear your schedules. Number two, cleansing. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. You know that our identity in Christ is forgiven. I'm not trying to pull God's leg every day because of what I've done in the past to get forgiven again. My identity in Christ is forgiven. I am forgiven, have been, will be forgiven. That's, that's who He is. He's going to forgive me. But yet, guess what? Even though that's my identity, I still have to walk it out with with him on a daily basis because here's the thing my wife even though I know she'll forgive me when I do something bad you know what I need to do apologize can somebody amen me like it it maintains fellowship it maintains fellowship it helps us so he says if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another all of the verbs in this verse are continuing present tense what's that mean it means that as I'm continually walking in the light I continually have fellowship with fellow believers. And as I continually have fellowship with, with fellow believers, I'm continually being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It never stops flowing, praise God. It never stops flowing. I'm continually under the fountain of the cleansing blood of Jesus, but there is a prerequisite. My responsibility is to walk in the light and have fellowship with one another. Now, there's a lot of people in the church that have been in the church. You know, people talk about church hurt a lot. They get hurt. Church is a tough place. You know why? There's humans in it. There's people that are broken. 
And sometimes people will get very negative. They'll say terrible things about the church. They'll speak about how the church does this, the church does that, the church doesn't love people like it should. And to, to which I say, yes, I agree. But you still have the command of the Lord to be in fellowship with His body, to learn how to forgive, to learn how to love, to learn how to reconcile. And some of you, you, you mistreat the body of Christ so bad because you blaspheme His body. I think some people out there, rather than beating down the church and speaking so negatively about the church, you need to get involved in the church learn how to love some people and if you see that they're walking in the wrong you can bring correction to them in love but when you're not in fellowship you can't bring correction from the outside you're out of fellowship you're not walking in the light and you're not under the cleansing flow of that blood amen that's a good word i had to release it the blood don't cleanse in the dark it's continuing provision though no matter where we are. Doesn't mean I gotta be perfect. I come in here, I fellowship with my brothers and sisters, I share my faults, they share their faults. We say, Lord, we're broken, but guess what? Because we walk in the light, we bring our sin before God. We have a continual cleansing flow of that blood, and we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Psalm 51 7, David had just committed adultery and then murdered the woman's husband. Have any of y'all done that in here? Y'all, any of y'all committed adultery and then murdered the, per the, the person you committed adultery with their husband? That's pretty that's pretty bad, right? I it's a bad deal. But here's what he cries out. He says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And he's referring back, he's using the language of hyssop because he's referring back to the Passover when they were dipping that hyssop in that blood and applying it to their doorpost. And he said, in the same way, I want that blood applied to my life so that the destroyer will pass over my house. Lord, forgive me for my sin. This is what he's coming to him to do and he's reminding him of that. So here's what I want you to say. This is what the blood of Jesus does for us. Put the next one up. Ready? While I walk in the light... The blood of Jesus cleanses me now and continually from all sin. Praise God. And y'all can begin to see, like, like I, I don't read through this. When I'm praying, I just let it flow. You know what I'm saying? But I'm giving you the statement so you can learn this. So number three, justification. Romans 5, 9, it says, Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. So justification is a big, deep biblical word, but it's important that you understand it because it's an important biblical word. Um, it says that we've been justified by His blood. Now, here's what it means to be justified. If I go into a court of law, and imagine I'm on trial for something, a capital crime, capital murder, and I know that the judgment will be the death penalty. I deserve the death penalty. And I know that judgment is coming down. But all of a sudden, Jesus Christ walks into the room and says, I know that He deserves death but I'm going to take it on his behalf. I want to, I want to step on, on in this and take it. And so the judgment that I deserve, somehow or another, the judge says, okay, it's going to be placed upon you, and they are acquitted, they are forgiven, and it is just as if they have never sinned. They are righteous now, and they, they are clean completely. They cannot be tried again for the same crime because they are now justified and declared righteous. It's a beautiful exchange. Now, you would be surprised, I actually get asked the question a whole lot, like, what, what will it actually take, Clay, to get into heaven? People ask that question a lot. What will it actually take to get into heaven? And a lot of people, I mean, I've even heard old-timers say back in the day, you know, they'll say, well, I'm just trying to hear the gate click behind me. I'm just trying to get to heaven, working hard to get to heaven. Can I tell you this? I believe in holiness. I believe the Holy Spirit transforms our life, and we are called to a life of purity and holiness. But my purity and my holiness does not get me into heaven. 
My righteous living does not get me into heaven. My good works does not get me into heaven. There is one thing and one thing alone that will get me into heaven. And that is the robe of righteousness that God has clothed me with because the blood of Jesus has been applied to my life. Nothing else could ever get me there. And so when I stand before God on that day of judgment, because I have trusted fully in Jesus, yes, I fall sometimes. I fail, and every now and then I commit sin. But you know what? When I fall, I fall on the ground of justification. I fall on the ground of, of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which means I can stand right back up, and when God looks at me, He sees me not based upon the sins I've committed, but upon the righteousness of Christ. And that is one of the most beautiful truths ever because that means I no longer have to walk in condemnation and accusation and feel like I'm not worthy before God every time I make a mistake or fall short. Yes, God wants to change me. He wants to transform me. He wants to produce holiness in me. But all of that is a result of the fact that I'm justified in Christ and standing in His righteousness. This is why the Scripture says in Isaiah 54, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you will condemn. Why? Because this is the inheritance of the saints of the Lord. And what does he say? And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. They're not standing. See, Satan can come and say, well, buddy, what about all that junk you did? What about this? What about that? You're not worthy. You can't preach. Who do you think you are standing up with all that sin in your life? And I say, you know what, Satan, I agree. I've done a lot of those things. I am a little bit, you know, I've done some bad things. But what you got to understand son is that i have been washed in the blood of jesus and i got a new robe on and it's called the righteousness of christ and you can no longer bring accusation against me because i know my god and i know how he looks at me now i'm his beloved son in whom he's well pleased because of the blood of jesus Amen. your righteousness is as filthy rags but isaiah 61 10 says i will greatly rejoice in the lord and my soul shall be joyful in my god why because he has clothed me with the garments of salvation he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Amen. You ready to say the next one? Put it up there for us. Ready? The blood of Jesus says I am justified, acquitted, not guilty, made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if you'd never sinned. Man, what a gift. This, I mean, if you really consider that, it would cause you to rejoice. It would cause you to say, thank God, man. It's, a, it's just as if I had never committed a sin in my life because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. This is the power of the blood, the most powerful thing in the universe. Number four, sanctification. Hebrews 13, 12, it says, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Now sanctification, it means to set apart or to make holy. It's also the word that we get saint from. We call each other saints. You know what it means? It means holy ones. And so, in other words, what he's saying is, when God sanctifies us by his blood, he puts a mark on you. There's something on you. You know how in the end, like, people are going to take the mark of the beast? You know what you got over you? You got the mark of the blood over you. You got the mark of the blood over you. And he says, you're set apart from this world system. You've been set apart. You've been made holy. And what that is, a practical example of that is this right here. Whenever Daniel went into Babylon, the three Hebrew children went into Babylon, it was a godless society, people that spoke evil over them, gave them different names and everything. But when they, for example, did not bow their knee to the lies of the king of that time, the three Hebrew children were thrown into a fiery furnace. But guess what? They were set apart. That fire did. Did not touch them when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he chose to pray 
in the face of an edict that said you cannot pray to any God except the king during this time. They threw him in the lion's den. He was sanctified. He was set apart. That lion would not eat him. When you threw the common person in, the lion ate him and the fire devoured them. But because they were sanctified and set apart by the blood. See, over our children, we need to be pleading and praying the blood of Jesus over them. Because they may go to school and they may see crazy things on people's iPads. And they may be introduced to all kinds of ungodliness. But we need to have a people that believe the blood of Jesus sets our children apart and it does a work in them that even though they're exposed to the lie they have a truth that's greater they have a truth that's greater and we've got to begin to speak that and believe that in our lives amen so let's say this one together ready through the blood of Jesus I am sanctified made holy set apart to God separated from sin made holy with God's holiness amen Number five is life. There's life in the blood. Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Now here's something that I don't believe we could ever fully understand. We're about to take communion here in a moment, and we talk about the blood of Jesus. And, and, and here's something that we need to understand. He says, The life of the blood... Is, or the life is in the blood. The life of the soul is in the blood. And he makes atonement for the soul with the blood. But when we talk about the blood of communion and the blood of Jesus, we're talking about the eternal, divine blood of God. We're talking about the one who spoke all things into existence, taking on flesh and blood like you and I, and that blood being the very divine life of God being shed for you and I. And what, what that means is that one little drop of the blood of Jesus has infinite more power than all of the powers of darkness throughout our world. Amen. I mean, it shatters them and breaks them. Demons are scared to death at the blood of Jesus because they know that it spells their defeat. It is the divine life and blood of God. There's more power in it than you can ever imagine. Now, when we talk about communion, which we're going to receive here in just a moment, I believe that there's something real in it. A lot of people think, well, you just take it and there's nothing to it. And, and, and you know, it's, it, we do it in remembrance. It's just sort of an outward symbol. I believe that we do it in remembrance. I believe that it is an outward symbol of a heavenly reality. But I also believe that when we exercise faith, this is why we've actually anointed people with oil and we've seen people get healed from sickness and diseases and stuff like that, right? But the power is not in the oil itself, is it? The power is in the faith released in the Holy Spirit and the power of God to bring healing. And so when we receive communion, the power itself is not in the juice or, 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 or the bread. The power is in the faith, faith released when you receive the bread and the blood, knowing that it is the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and you're actively discerning by faith what it was that was purchased for you when you receive it. And as you receive, you can receive healing, you can receive salvation, you can receive cleansing, you can get set free from the powers of darkness depression can break off of your life because of your release of faith in what the blood of Jesus does see this is why in John 6 53 Jesus said to them most assuredly I say to you unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you do you know at that point when he said that he had about 6,000 followers some scholars say and pretty much every one of them left he said this dude's weird that's why a lot of people leave church here, right? Amen. This, this guy's weird. He's got up, us up here saying things this morning. But they said, Lord, where shall we go? 
you have the words of life. When you speak, there's something that happens on the inside. We don't, we don't always understand what you're saying. But when you speak, there's life in it. And we ain't going nowhere else. And so for 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, Paul said, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Each time you take the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're, you're basically pro, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And what you're doing is you're putting every demonic power on notice. And you're saying, look, I know you're running wild out here. I know you're causing fear and anxiety and I know you're bringing sickness and death and, and all these things and hatred and division in our world. But I need you to understand something, devil. In my house, we're believing in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are under the blood and you proclaim it every day saying we're under a different type of government we're not living according to the powers of darkness we are living by the light and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and we believe that until he comes back and gets us to restore all things he will keep us he will protect us he will heal us and we will live under his provision all the days of our life amen amen because it's going to get wild out here in our world and we got to have something to stand on so when we receive the blood of Jesus, we receive the life that he gave us by faith. And I believe there's healing power in the blood of Jesus. I believe there's freedom in the blood of Jesus. I believe that you can literally experience deliverance and freedom in a way like never before when you receive the blood of Christ. So let's say this one together. Ready? Lord Jesus, when we receive your blood, we receive your life, the end of God, divine, eternal, endless life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Got two more. Y'all ready? Number six is intercession. Hebrews 12, verse 22, it says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now y'all remember Abel? He was the first human being whose blood was shed. His brother Cain, they went out to worship the Lord. And just like a lot of us today, Cain didn't like the way that Abel worshipped the Lord. Somebody amen me, right? So he got jealous because it wasn't his style. And so he got jealous and he took him out in the field and he killed his hind end over the way that he worshipped. Literally. You can read about it. We still do the same thing in the church today. But regardless, his blood was shed. And when his blood hit the ground, God said, Cain, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Abel's blood had a voice, and his blood, blood cried out for violence, it cried out for vengeance, it cried out hatred, it cried out murder and division. It was crying out for the judgment of God to come upon him for what he had done. But see, Abel's blood was shed against his will, Jesus willingly gave his blood. Abel's blood was sprinkled on the earth, but Jesus has applied his blood in the heavenly places. Abel's blood called out for vengeance, but Jesus' blood pleads for mercy. The blood of Abel is crying out right now for judgment, vengeance, violence, and death. And that is the law of sin and death that the world lives under. But when we put faith in Christ Jesus and we believe in Jesus, His blood speaks a better word over you and I. And it speaks forgiveness, peace, justice, mercy, grace, healing, redemption. And right now, the blood of Jesus is currently interceding for you on behalf of God, on behalf of you, in heavenly places for all of these things to take place in your life. Amen. That's a good word. Because it means that God, this blood is interceding for me. So let's say this one together. 
Ready? Thank you, Lord, that even when I cannot pray, the blood of Jesus is pleading for me in heaven, speaking forgiveness, mercy, peace, healing, and life abundant. Amen. Even when you struggle to pray, the Lord Jesus is your mediator. Sometimes I offer him my cheapest prayers, and I'm like, Lord, I don't even know what to do. Sometimes I just cry before the Lord. You know what I'm saying? But I trust that my mediator, because of his blood, takes all of that and knows the deep desires of my heart and brings them to the Father as a perfect prayer. He's my mediator. That's why I pray in the name of Jesus, because all my prayers go through him to the Father. And so when he presents them to the Father, they're washed in the blood. They show up in a better way. Amen. They're pleading on my behalf. Here's the last one. Number seven is access. Hebrews 10, 19, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now notice this. It says we can enter into the, into the holiest place by the blood of Jesus and we can enter in boldly. Hebrews 4.14 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now if you read the book of Hebrews... Some people don't understand it. There's certain scriptures in there. It, it seems like people are falling away and all kinds of bad things are happening. But it was written to Hebrew people who were in Judaism and they believe in Jesus, but now they're struggling to continue to hold fast their confession in Jesus and they're going back to Judaism. They're going back from trusting the blood of Jesus and Him being the superior high priest and they're thinking that now they need to go back and offer up the blood of bulls and goats to offer sacrifices for their sin. And they say, no, 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 don't get away from that. You can't go back back to those sacrifices this blood has made those sacrifices obsolete and so he says you need to hold fast your confession Hebrews 3 it says that he's the high priest of our confession Hebrews 4 says hold fast your confession and then Hebrews 10 says hold fast your confession without wavering why would you need to hold fast your confession so much why is what we just confessed so important why is it important that I hold fast to what we just said and not treat it as a light thing? I'll tell you why. Because in this world, it's like, it's like, it's like when you get on a plane. Y'all ever been on a plane? I was flying in India one time. We was in a little plane. I, there was like a little hole in the bottom of it. You could see light coming through the bottom. I said, well, we ain't going to make it. Lord, I'll see you in 15 minutes. This is going to be good. You know what I mean? And I'm on that plane, but, but you, you get up there and you're flying and the guy turns around and says, uh, hold tight, we're going to experience some turbulence. You know? I'm like, this don't sound good. This plane is rickety already. We just, we just took off of a dirt landing strip. You know? But here's, what, here's the point. When they say to hold on tight, it's because why? They, they think you're about to experience some turbulence. And in your life, you're probably going to experience some turbulence. There's going to be some hard times. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be times when your experience does not line up with what God's Word says. There's going to be times when you are accused and depressed in your mind and anxious and fearful. And you're dealing with all of these things and you're struggling. And what you're tempted to do is throw in the towel of faith, begin to doubt, begin to doubt God, and begin to speak the same thing that the world and the enemy is speaking over your life. And he said, no, no, no. Just because it looks bad on the outside, don't let go of your confession. 
Hold fast to your confession without wavering because you will experience some turbulence. But if you will hold on to the Word of God and you will speak the truth of the life of the Word of God over your situation, God will come through. Amen. And it says that we have a new and living way through the blood of Jesus. This means that just one man could enter in one time a year with the sevenfold sprinkling of the blood. But Jesus has went through the veil on our behalf and He has spread that blood seven times on the altar of heaven so that we all have access into the holy place of God any time that we need it. When we worship, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. When we're struggling, when we're weak, when we've just sinned and we've fallen short, we can come boldly to the throne of grace because the blood of Jesus and not have a word of accusation or a word of condemnation or not sense that God has, has, has just he's done with us now. No, 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 He's for us. And the blood of Jesus speaks that He's for us. The blood of Jesus is speaking something. He says you can come boldly to the throne of grace because of this blood. So let's speak this last one together. Ready? Thank you, Lord, that through the sprinkled blood of Jesus, I have access into your presence, into the holiest place in the universe. Amen. Stand to your feet with me. I want you to take just a moment here, because we're going to get the elements set up where you can come forward and receive communion. And as you do, we're going to have, there's, there's two sections, so basically if you're here, you can come up and, and go out to the right, and if you're here, you can come up and go out to the left, and likewise over here, you can move that, that direction whenever we get started, and all you do, don't be nervous, y'all, it's real simple, okay? It's real simple, you just take a piece of bread, you dip it in the cup, you receive it, you go back to your seat. But as you receive it, I want you to fix your heart in a certain place, because the Lord knows your need this morning. And here's the thing. If, if you're not a believer in Jesus, this won't benefit you. We talked about belief. We talked about confession. If you believe in Jesus and you've trusted Him for your salvation, this is yours. He, he gave His body, He gave His blood for your healing, for your deliverance, for your forgiveness, and for your eternal life. That's for you if you have repented of sin and you've turned to Jesus and believed in Him. Amen. So I want us to pray. So would you bow your heads? And here's the first thing that I'm going to do. I'm just going to give everybody just a couple of seconds right here. If you have not given your life to Jesus and you say, I want the full benefits of the blood of Jesus, and I need to give my life to him this morning, would you raise your hand just so we can pray together real quick? Anybody in here say, I need to give my life to Jesus? I got one right here. Anybody else? I got two. I got three. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? So can we all, can we all just begin to pray this? to the Lord just say thank you Lord that you sent your son Jesus to die for me on the cross I confess all of my sin everything I've done and everything I've failed to do and I receive that forgiveness I ask you to forgive me cleanse me now in the blood of Jesus and Jesus, I acknowledge you as the Lord of my life. I give you everything. I confess you as Lord of my life. And I believe that your blood and your body, which was broken and shed for me, redeems me, heals me, delivers me, 
changes my heart, transforms my mind, gives me new life, and gives me eternal life. In Jesus' name. Now I want you to just bring whatever request it is that you have before the Lord real quick. Just whatever it is that's on your heart that you need to apply the blood of Jesus to. Lord, right now we apply the blood of Jesus over our minds. All fear and anxiety, we apply the broken body of Jesus to our physical bodies. And we command healing into every body as we receive your body and your blood this morning, God. Do your work by the power of the Holy Spirit as we speak out your word. Apply that blood, Lord Jesus, to our lives. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in every person's life. Spirit, soul, and body. Now put your hand on your neighbor real quick and we're going to be done. If you don't have a neighbor, you can put one on your heart. Let's just bless them, Lord. We are one body in Christ. You've called us to be one. And even though we struggle, we forgive those who have sinned against us. We release them to you now, God. We forgive those who have sinned against us in the same way that you've sinned, that we sinned against you. And God, we pray now for our brothers and sisters that you would strengthen them, that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit. God, that you would apply the blood of Jesus to their lives in a new and a fresh way. That they would know that they are cleansed, that they are justified, that God, they're sanctified, they are redeemed, they're healed and they're set free. Lord, we bless them right now by the power of the name of Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, that you strengthen them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. All right, now we're just going to allow you. I want you to think about the cross. I want you to discern the Lord Jesus on the cross for you. We're going to let them start coming right here. You just come and work your way around on each side. Just take your time. They're going to sing and play. But y'all can begin moving forward just to receive. Just dip it in. Receive it. God bless you all.